You know, there are some things in life that are really important, but people tend to ignore. I asked that question on my Facebook page this week to see what type of responses I would get. Let me just say, I got some responses, okay? It, it was a little interesting. And so what are the things that people ignore, but are actually really important? Very first comment I got, very first thing that came to someone's mind was hygiene, okay? So, I don't know, sniff the person next to you, see if they've been ignoring that. But apparently that's something that people tend to ignore, that hygiene's important. Someone said stretching before exercising. Older you get, the more you recognize that that is actually important. There's a lot about health, you know, preventative health, uh, taking care of your body, even mental health were some of the answers. Someone said rest, and we'll talk more about that next week if you come back here to church. And here's a good one. Someone said reading the terms and conditions before clicking accept. Have you ever done that? I'm not one of those people, okay? I just like scroll the bottom, hit accept, but I do know the people who like read those meticulously. Apparently it can be important, but most of us just ignore those. Here's a good one. I think we can all recognize this. A lot about stop signs, blind spots, turn signals, all those type of things that are important, but I mean, we don't ignore those things, but we know people who do, right? Can be important. Someone said, what little kids hear you say, all right? Something that is important that we often ignore. And maybe my favorite uh, response was, someone said this, someone said, Bigfoot sightings, okay? <laughs> All right, so, you know, we're, you know we're, we're, we're starting to ignore those seven things. Maybe we should pay more attention. Now, hear me out. What would you say if there was a practice in our faith that seemed to be important, but most people just ignored it? That's where we find ourselves today as we continue our Serious spiritual rhythms. John Wesley, who was a English theologian who lived in the 1700s, said this: Some have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture and reason, and others have utterly disregarded it. I wonder where you find yourself on the spectrum. There, which end do you find yourself on? Because fasting has been an ancient discipline that's ignored by nearly all of us today. But as we've been talking about, spiritual disciplines are spiritual practices that lead to spiritual transformation. I think that fasting, if you can follow along with me as we, as we go through this, fasting is a spiritual discipline that has been practiced all throughout Scripture by some of the most influential and most important people that we read about. And it's brought great breakthroughs for them. And so when you think about the people who have fasted, some of the quick names that come to mind uh, our Moses, he fasted before he received the Ten Commandments. We know that uh, David and Elijah and Esther, they all fasted. Daniel, Paul, even Jesus fasted. And so, that's not an exhaustive list, but those are some significant names who on some level found the need and the desire to fast. And so the question has to rise to the top of this conversation for us is why don't we talk about fasting? When was the last time you sat in church and said, someone said, hey, you should stop eating food and you should, you should fast a little bit, right? We, we kind of ignore this spiritual discipline, but we need to spend some time talking about it. So why don't we talk about fasting? One, it's not popular, right? It's, it's, it's on the scale of uh, self-denial, which re- doesn't really excite people all that much. And number two, <clears throat> we live in a culture that's kind of ingrained in our minds that if we don't have three meals a day, then we're probably on the verge of starvation, right? And so this idea of fasting is not something that we spend a whole lot of time on it. Now, I can recognize this because I, I remember when I was a senior in high school, 
I, I went on a trip with my father-in-law and we went down to Kentucky for some bonding and he had bought this boat and I was supposed to go help him. He wasn't my father-in-law at this time. Okay, I didn't get married when I was in high school, sorry. <clears throat> and I was gonna go help him. And uh, so we start working on this boat and you know, I'm trying to feel my way out through this relationship, right? Dating his daughter and everything like that. And so I'm trying to work really hard and I'm working really hard and we're scrubbing, we're cleaning, we're doing all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden it's one o'clock and I just kind of like, I'm getting kind of hungry, right? I'm getting kind of hungry, but you know, I was like trying to impress a little bit. So I just kept working and we worked and it was hot out and I was getting hungrier. And all of a sudden it's three o'clock and I just stopped working. I, I just had enough with it. And I looked at him and I said, hey, are we gonna eat lunch or what? Right? You know, what's going on here? And, and that moment right there for me solidified some things in my life because what I recognized what, is that he's a little bit old fashioned and he would just tend to work. If he was working hard on something, he'll just skip a meal, right? And just keep working. Apparently I wasn't raised the same way, okay? Uh, I, didn't, I don't miss the meals. And uh, so until this day, as I work with him, if we're working on something or doing something, he'll stop and make sure I'm not too hungry to keep working, right? He, he makes sure that I remember this moment. Fasting's uncomfortable. Fasting is it, it's a little uncertain to many of us, but it just seems too important to ignore. So we're gonna spend some time talking about the spiritual discipline of fasting in this message. And the very first thing I need to do is tell you why you should fast, why you should participate in a fast. And I'm gonna break this down a little bit like we did last week. And so this would be the basics of fasting that we're gonna go through. And I've got two reasons that I think are really important, but I think are gonna be really easy for you to get behind on why you should fast. Number one, reason number one is that Jesus modeled fasting for us, okay? It, this was something that he modeled. And anytime Jesus does something, it can become an example for us, something that we can follow. Do you remember how Jesus' ministry started? R right after he was baptized, which is another model and example that Jesus set for us, we read this in Matthew chapter four, verses one and two. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And so that's what we're gonna do. At the end of this service, I'm gonna ask you to fast for 40 days. No, I'm just kidding, okay? Some of you, some of you felt that tension. Some people were like, honey, let's go. We're leaving right now. Uh, no, we're not gonna do that, that's a joke. But yes, Matthew, as he writes this, yes, of course Jesus was hungry after 40 days of not eating. He modeled fasting for us as a spiritual practice. But the problem is with this text, at least for me, is that sometimes we often overlook this simple truth and we skip right to how Jesus conquered temptation, right? We know the three ways that Jesus conquered temptation, but do you notice at the very beginning, he spent 40 days fasting before he ever got to this moment. And so the very first thing that we have to recognize is that Jesus did this. And if we're gonna model our lives and our faith after Jesus, then we should at least see that this ancient principle was a part of Jesus's life, it was a part of his ministry, and it was, in fact, the very first thing that he did in his ministry was set apart time to fast before he began. So we have that, that Jesus modeled it for us, but we also have this. Reason number two is that Jesus expected his followers to fast. Now, I wanna invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter six. That's gonna be our text for today. So if you got your Bible or a Bible app on your phone is perfectly fine as well. well this is gonna be our text and we're gonna look at what Jesus said about fasting. Now, we're gonna look at a lot of different things that scripture says about fasting and, and what we can learn, but we'll start here. And uh, you may be familiar with it, but I wanna invite you 
as you turn there, to stand with me. We're gonna read this text together. As we always do in a part of our service, we like to honor and respect God's word. So stand with me as we read Matthew chapter six, verses 16 through 18. It's also on the screen. Jesus said this, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. All right, guys, thank you for standing and honoring God's word. This is a part of the Sermon on the Mount and most of you are probably familiar with that, but it's the most famous set of teachings that we have from Jesus in, in, in one setting. And, and when Jesus said this, I want you to know it was included in a set, okay? So this was, this was included in a set. Jesus had talked about praying, he talked about giving, and he talked about fasting. And so you may be, fam- be familiar with what Jesus has said, but in this moment, he's, he says things like this. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They like to stand on the street corners and make sure that everybody knows that they're praying. They use big fancy words. Don't be like that. And then he says, when you give, I want you to do it in secret. Your right hand should know what your left hand is doing. Don't give so that other people can see how much you give, but do it in secret. And then he says, when you fast, when you fast, don't make it obvious for everyone else to see what you are doing. Now, nobody's going to have any trouble talking about praying as a spiritual discipline. Right? You might not even give a big fuss about talking about giving as a spiritual discipline. But in this set, Jesus talks about these things as they're the same. When you pray, when you give, and when you fast. The reality is that Jesus, Jesus didn't tell these people to fast. He expected that they would. He expected that it was a part of their faith, just like praying was and just like giving, one, giving was. This kind of stems back to the Old Testament law. We learn from Leviticus that the nation of Israel, the Jewish uh, people, they had fasting was a part of their faith. In fact, as a part of the Day of Atonement, which was the day that uh, Israel was supposed to be in mourning and recognizing of their sin and, and have their sins covered, that that would be a, an entire day of fasting. But what happened over time was a, a lot of different days were added into the Jewish calendar to fast for certain things. And by the time Jesus comes on the scene, The Jewish faith has over 20 different days that would be recognized as days of fasting. And so this was a part of who they were. This was a part of their faith. Fasting was a part of who they were. But I need you to know this. The New Testament, it never requires or demands us to fast. And I want you to be confused as what I'm trying to communicate here today. The New Testament does not require, does not demand you to fast. Jesus never required his followers to fast, but... He sure expected that they would. He sure believed that that it was a part of what they did. In fact, there was a time when some religious people were starting to recognize what Jesus was doing and and they were following his disciples and they kind of came up to him and recognizing um, that they weren't fasting. They weren't participating in all these days of fasting. And so we read this in Matthew chapter nine. It says, then John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the, the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. Jesus knew that they would fast. Jesus expected that they would fast. 
even though we didn't tell them to. It's because fasting is a timeless discipline that allows our body to focus on the spiritual over the physical. Okay, this is what fasting does for us. And so that's why you should consider fasting. And Jesus modeled it for us and Jesus expected that his followers would fast. And so there's a lot more to fasting than just not eating food that we need to talk about. And I wanna make something else clear. <clears throat> I recognize that you can fast from social media, you can fast from television, you can fast from all different types of things that you say, I need to, get the, I need to remove this out of my life. I, I know that, that people do that. But for the purpose of today, what I'm talking about is fasting from food, okay? This is the biblical example. The vast majority of fasting found in scripture is from food. That wasn't the only type of fast. There's also fasting from water. There's fasting from sexual activity. But the majority, the vast majority of fasting that we're gonna look at and read and hear throughout scripture is talking about fasting from food. And this is what we're gonna talk about today. And so I want that to be in your mind because oftentimes as people who live in 2022, when we talk about fasting, fasting from food doesn't seem appealing. And so we say, well, maybe I could fast from Facebook or maybe I could fast from this. And maybe there are places for that, but I want you in your mind as you hear the words that we read from scripture to consider what it would look like in your life to fast from food. I need to give you another caveat to everything else I'll say, because if you don't wrap your minds around this and understand this, then we're approaching fasting in the wrong way. It's this, fasting is to be done for a God-centered purpose. Write this down, put this in your brain, wrap your mind around this. Everything is gonna come back to this. Fasting has to be done for a God-centered purpose. Because a self-centered approach or a self-serving approach to fasting is gonna leave you hungry and it's gonna leave you just waiting until it's over, waiting until the, 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 the time runs out to where you can have food again. And so if you're gonna fast, don't fast because I tell you to, don't fast because you think that there's gonna be some health benefit where it's gonna detoxify your body or something like that, or, or, or worst case scenario, that it's gonna make you appear spiritual to the people around you. Don't let any of those reasons, if, if those are your reasons, then just don't do it, don't fast. But if we can have a God-centered purpose, and I think this is really important for you, you have to have a God-centered purpose, because if you don't, you're quickly gonna find yourself in legalism, well, the spiritual discipline, let's, let's be honest, this is really not that enjoyable, okay? It's not that enjoyable to withhold food from yourself. So here's what I mean by God-centered purpose. You have to have something that you're fasting for, something that you are fasting for, because your purpose should be your thoughts when you're hungry, all right? And I'll explain more as we go. And so if I'm, if I'm fasting for my spouse or I'm fasting for my marriage, then those are my thoughts when I get hungry, it, and so maybe you fast for a child to be saved or maybe you fast for someone who has a need. And what happens is when your body begins to recognize that you haven't had food and that you're starting to get hunger, hungry, your hunger serves as a reminder for your purpose. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole reason that we fast. And so a God-centered purpose is important if you choose to fast. And so all the biblical examples that we're gonna look at and all the biblical examples that you could find in scripture about fasting have a God-centered purpose behind it, and so ours should as well. And so let me get into the rest of our messages. I wanna to talk to you about the benefit of fasting, what fasting does for you, right? And, and what can happen in this moment. And so the first thing I want you to recognize is that fasting will give you more time for prayer. Now, 
I don't have to spend a ton of time on this. I think you could wrap your minds around this pretty easy. In fact, one of the clearest things that you can see from fasting in the Bible is that it's always, always connected to prayer. Every single time it's connected to prayer. Fasting and prayer, they go together. So when you fast, you pray. And so when you decide to fast, what it does is when you remove yourself from eating, it gives you more time to pray. And that's important for your purpose. And so this was part of the concern that Jesus had with uh, <clears throat> the hypocrites, the Pharisees, as he talks about this in, in our text. Jesus says, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disguise their faces to show others that they are fasting. They spent their time fasting, making sure that other people knew that they were fasting. Their, their, their purpose was to make sure other people could see how spiritual they were. So we have to recognize this, that the purpose of a fast is to bring you closer to God, right? Not for other people to see, it's to bring you closer to God, not to elevate yourself. And so what should happen is that when you are eating, you should be praying. Now, like I said, fasting is always connected to prayer and scripture. And so the power of fasting is that you replace eating food with praying. Now you might ask, and you might kind of be wondering in your mind right now, <clears throat> Matt, you know, like, why do I have to give up food to pray? Like I already pray, I, I can just pray, right? Yes, you can pray. Like that, that is okay, that's acceptable. But what happens is when you fast, it allows you more time and it allows you the opportunity to make sure that that happens. I read somewhere that the average person, if you live an average life, whatever that is, the average person will spend six years of their life eating. Isn't that a bit ridiculous, right? Like when you think about it, you spend six years of your life eating food. Like, like what Andrew said last week is that the, the thing that most of us do most consistently is eat, right? Now, we may do a lot of other things consistently, but what we do most consistently is eat food. And so maybe, just maybe to consider, maybe removing it from your life for a period of time would be a spiritual benefit for you because you know that you do that consistently. Martin Luther, who was one of the men who helped establish the Reformation movement within the church, once said this. He said, I have so much to do today that I'll sh I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. I love that quote because it just helps us to recognize that even in the busyness or even in the things that are important to us, maybe prayer should be elevated above all of those things. I don't think I would have to spend a whole lot of time arguing with you that more prayer is better for your life. It's a really simple concept. I don't wanna spend a whole lot of time talking about this point, but again, you replace eating with praying. It allows you more time to pray. Here's the second idea is that fasting shows the depth and the concern of your prayer. You know, if there's one thing that fasting really does is it shows how much you care about your purpose. Whatever your God-centered purpose is, it shows how much you care. Because giving up food is a commitment, right? Giving up food is a commitment. So if you found something that you desperately care about, you can fast for it. Now, let me give you an example. <clears throat> My kids are old enough that they began playing sports, right? They're five and six years old. And so they've gotten involved across the street at the CLC playing, uh, they've played basketball and soccer and t-ball so far, okay? That's what we've got them plugged into. And uh, they kind of like it so far. We're, we're testing the waters and some things, but um, it, it's been a great experience so far. But one of their favorite things about playing sports or being involved on a team, whatever it is, one of, the, one of their favorite things is when other people come and watch them play, okay? Now, if you're a parent, you can kind of recognize what that's like because we, we kind of recognize that they expect mom and dad to be there. In fact, the fact that we're there doesn't really impress them or get them that excited. Like we're there all the time, we drive them. And so there's nothing big deal about that. But when someone else comes and watches them play, 
it becomes a big deal, right? It's important. In fact, one that, we've been in the car multiple times on the way and we get asked, hey, is anybody coming to watch me play today? Like, you know, like what, how, who can I get up for, right? And so they, they love this and it means something to them when uh, a grandma or a grandpa comes or an aunt or an uncle or someone else in their life that, that cares about them comes. It means something to them. But on the flip side, actually, for us parents, it it means a whole lot to us too. In fact, probably means more to us because what I recognize and maybe what you know is that adults tend to live um, busy lives. Like we have things going on. We are involved in a lot of things and maybe not what an adult wants to do is to get up on a Saturday morning and go watch someone else's kid play sports, all right? Especially at this level, let's just say the, uh, the level that the sport is played at is not at the highest level, okay? And so it's not like you get some great... Um, sports experience by by coming and watching these little kids play. But they come and and they show up and and it shows us as parents that they care. Like like they actually care a lot because we also know, we also know that there are family that don't come. There are family that don't show up. There are other people in their life that don't make that time or don't show up or don't support them in that way. And so for, for us to have those people that do actually shows us a whole lot just how much they care that they'd be willing to give up a part of their Saturday to come and to watch our kids kick around a ball in a field. And I think that this example, because anytime that you give up something for something else, you're placing value on that. Do you understand this concept? When you give up time or you give up something for something else, you are showing value on that. And that same principle is true with fasting. When you give up food, you are placing value and you are showing significance in the depth of concern for your prayer, for your purpose. And so what is your purpose? I can't answer that for you. Maybe something's been in your mind already. What is your purpose? What do you care about enough that would compel you to fast, would compel you to give up? And I'm pointing back to these same ideas because I don't I don't wanna overcomplicate this idea. We know that fasting is abstaining from food and we should only do that for a God-centered purpose. And so what is your purpose? What is your reason? What would compel you spiritually to fast? Because it means something to you. Maybe you have a sin in your life that you just can't shake, that you just, is a part of what happens in your life and you've tried things, but you just can't resist the temptation and you don't know what to do next. Maybe, maybe you should fast. Maybe you should set a time and every time that you get hungry, your hunger serves as your reminder of what you're doing. And all of a sudden you begin to pray and you begin to rely on God. You remember, ask him to deliver you from your sin. And so this hunger serves as a purpose and it shows the depth and the concern of your prayer. You begin to be more focused on God and you remind yourself what you are fasting for. Fasting shows the importance, the significance of your prayer. There's a great example of this in the Old Testament book of Joel. Joel is a minor prophet. Let's be honest, you probably never flipped your Bible there unless a pastor told you to or it was a part of your plan, right? And so Joel's this minor prophet and he has this unique, a very unique set of words that he's supposed to deliver to the nation of Israel, okay? He's tucked away in there and and he's got these words because he talks about destruction. (laughs) He talks about the day of the Lord coming that's gonna bring destruction on them. And so as a part of this, God's people at this time are enduring this weird and crazy locust manifestation among the people. I mean, things are getting ugly, bad. And this is what we read from Joel chapter one. It says, declare a holy fast, 
Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. You see, Joel called a national fast for the people of Israel. Why? To show the depth and the concern of their prayer of repentance. But what's fascinating about Joel's message is that God seemed to be pleased with their fasting. In fact, we read this in the very next chapter, Joel chapter two, even now declares the Lord, God says, return to me with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning. God welcomes the idea of fasting because it shows, it shows the depth of your care and your concern for what you are praying. It's echoed in the story of Jonah. You're probably familiar with Jonah's story, Jonah and the whale. And Jonah, when he finally, finally ends up in Nineveh to preach the message that God had set before him, this is what we learned because you you know what? They finally believed uh, the message. And so it says the Ninevites believed God a fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. If you have something that is heavy on your heart, and in most cases, what we find in the Old Testament is repentance for for ways that they've uh, messed up or, or done something wrong, the sin in their life. When you have something heavy on your heart, maybe a sin that you need freed from, maybe an addiction, maybe it's a longing for something spiritual or maybe it's a longing for someone in your life to be saved, whatever it is, maybe you ought to fast about it. Maybe you ought to show the depth and the concern of your prayer and your God-centered purpose by fasting. So when your stomach reminds you of your physical need, you will fill yourself up spiritually. And it shows that you care. But I need to tell you about the last idea, uh, the last thing, because I think it's significant, it's, it's my favorite, is that fasting prepares you for transformation. We've said from the beginning that a spiritual discipline is a spiritual practice that leads to spiritual transformation. And I believe, I believe that the precedent that we see from scripture is that fasting leads to transformation. In his book, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster, as he wraps up his section on fasting, says this, fasting can bring breakthroughs in the spiritual realm that will never happen in any other ways. It is a means of God's grace and blessing that should not be neglected any longer. And if you're like me, we've neglected it. We've kind of put it aside as a discipline that's like, okay, I can do all these, but that, not really interested. When Jesus talked about fasting, one of the things he said was that we should do it in secret, right? Much like giving and praying. It's not to be done for the world to see. It's to be done for the benefit of your relationship with God. And so when he communicates this, he says this in verse 18. He says, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He will reward you. Now, I don't want you to confuse what I'm saying here. The spiritual discipline of fasting can transform you as a person. It can, but it's not a means for blessing or reward. Remember, as Jesus is talking through the Sermon on the Mount and giving these examples, he's talking about the heart. He's talking about posturing yourself before God and the right way. And so fasting, when done right, with a God-centered purpose and not for the public view, it will bring transformation in your life. But one of the other things that fasting does is it can prepare you for what God has for you next. And I think this is so significant for all of us, okay? If so far you've kind of been like, I don't know what to do with all this, listen here, because fasting can prepare you for what God has for you 
Next, there's so many examples of this in scripture, it's really just hard to ignore of how fasting has prepared people for what is next. Let me give you some examples. Moses, he fasted before he received the 10 commandments. In Exodus chapter 34, we read this. Moses was there 40 days with the Lord and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets, the words of the covenant of the 10 commandments. One of the most significant moments in, our, in the history of the nation of Israel, when they received the law of the Lord, the 10 commandments, before that ever happened, Moses spent time with God and he was fasting. The Israelites, before a very miraculous victory, found themselves fasting. Second Chronicles, Chronicles chapter 20 says this, some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It's already in Hazazon Tamar, that's in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And what happened next was God delivered them from their enemies. A fast declared for the entire nation. Daniel, one of our favorite stories in the Bible, Daniel found himself needing answers from the Lord. And this is what we read in Daniel chapter nine. And so I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Daniel found himself Fasting, Nehemiah, I love the story of Nehemiah as he finds himself with the walls of Jerusalem being torn down and needing to go back. He's disturbed by everything that he's seeing and hearing. And we read this, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. But probably one of my favorite examples is what this looks like in the early church. Apostle Paul was a great evangelist, someone who planted over 20 churches in his lifetime, many more through all of his apprenticeships. But do you wanna know how Paul's missionary journey started? He takes all these great trips and travels all over the Mediterranean, but what we learn is that how his missionary journey started was with fasting. Acts chapter 13 says this, the disciples, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Paul was set apart during a time of prayer and fasting by the church. And there are so many examples of the great leaders of our faith fasting as preparation for what God has for them next. I don't know how we can ignore this. I don't know how you can look at all these examples through scripture of these men and women fasting before the Lord and we as the American church continue to live our lives eating three square meals a day and never, never fasting for the Lord and for a God-centered purpose. I'm not telling you what this looks like for you, but I can confidently tell you that this shouldn't be a discipline that you continue to ignore. This has to be something that we work into the discipline of our lives of growing in our faith because this matters because neglecting fasting can leave you in a place where you're always focusing on your physical over your spiritual. And if we do that, we're in trouble. That's really what I want you to see through all of this is that fasting, fasting is a discipline to draw you closer to God by focusing on your spiritual need over your physical need. If we can get this, if we can do this, you align yourself with the heart of Jesus. Earlier, I told you that Jesus began his ministry by, um, by going into the desert, by fasting, right? And when he did this, the very first temptation that he faced was with food. I wanna to read to you this, Matthew chapter four. 
Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus, he focused on the spiritual need over the physical need. Church, let's not be the type of people that are so entitled to our physical needs that we neglect the spiritual need in our life. Fasting is a great discipline that allows you to draw closer to God and focusing on him when your physical need creates attention. When your hunger creates attention, you could focus on him. And so as we close, I wanna give you some suggestions on how to, how to do this, okay? But let me preface this by saying this. Um, some of you may not be in a place physically where you can truly participate in a fast, okay? Maybe you got some health concerns. Maybe it's not a good thing for you to withstain from food. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that's like for you. Maybe you need to modify what I'm about to suggest and participate in some type of partial fast where you leave yourself um, not fully satisfied and, and so you still feel some of the remnants of this. I'm not a doctor, okay? So please, you know, just, just do what's smart for you. But for most of us, the body can go without food for a time and be okay, all right? I need, I need you to know that. The body can withstand this. So once you consider fasting in one of these two ways, number one, fast one meal a week for a time, okay? For a time. So wh what I want you to do is to consider, maybe it is on, on, on Wednesdays, you know, for, for four weeks. Uh, on Wednesdays, I'm gonna skip lunch. And, and you do that for four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks, whatever you set, whatever you feel like God is leading you to do, and that's not a whole lot, okay? But it's enough to make you draw some attention. And, and, and when, you, when you experience that hunger, and, and as you go throughout your afternoon, you get a little hangry maybe, right? You know, you'll find yourself being reminded of why you are fasting. Or the second idea is to fast for 24 hours. Now, that could be a little bit more advanced. You know, maybe after dinner, you, you, you fast for 24 hours straight. You have water, but you don't have any food. And listen to me, your body, your body will notice, okay? And when your body notices, it will communicate some things to you. And when it does that, it reminds you of what you are fasting for, your marriage, your kids, someone to be saved, whatever it is. And in that moment, you draw closer to God and you show the depth and the concern of your prayer. And maybe in this time, if you're searching for an answer, God reveals things to you because you're praying more, you're being more mindful of him and you're connecting to him. But here's the deal. There's a lot of other ways to do this. I don't feel compelled to tell you how to do it. Those are some suggestions. I don't feel compelled to tell you how to do it or what exactly to do, but I do feel compelled to help you to feel and to see the spiritual significance of fasting and consider what my God might do through you when you fast, when you decide to fast. You choose to say that Jesus is all that you need in this life. I want you to pray with me. Lord, we do love you, and we are so thankful for all the ways that you provide for us. I think for many of us in this space, or those who are watching, uh, we don't find ourselves in a place where we go without food. And so fasting becomes something that only happens if we are intentional about it. But Lord, I know that there are people in this world that sometimes don't have a choice, and they go without food because they don't have any other choice. And they experience hunger 
and they experience things within their body that does remind them how much they need how much they need you. And God, I pray that you would help us. As Christians here in this place, wherever they're watching, to recognize the significance of fasting. That you've called us to a greater purpose and maybe something could be placed on our hearts, a, a, a purpose that is aligned with you and what you want for us. That when we abstain what our body needs, we fill ourselves up with the spiritual. And Lord, I just pray and I'm just asking because I've been in church for a long time and I know you could sit and hear a message and a sermon and walk out of here and go, that was cool, but yeah, I'm not doing that. Lord, help us to feel the weight of all these people in scripture who felt the need and the desire to fast. Help us to at least try it. And when we do, Lord, I pray that you would transform us from the inside out. Help us to be different because we rely on you for what we need. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for providing what we need already through your death and your resurrection. We have an opportunity for an eternity with you. And I'm so thankful that we have a God who loves us that much. Help us to worship you in this moment as we recognize that you are all we need and that you're all we want. We love you. It's in your name I pray, amen.